John 3 and 15 is where we're going to look tonight. If you would stand with us when you come to your place in Scripture there. And we will also go ahead and uh, read uh, 16 as well. Uh, I, um, tonight, as uh, uh, referencing uh, 15, 16 references, a term that I want us to look at tonight. Uh, and so both of these uh, say, uh, say this same term here that I'm wanting us to hear. And uh, we're going to look. So starting at uh, John chapter 3. And we're going to look here uh, at verse 15 and 16. I know that uh, we know this very well. Uh, if we can, can we read these two verses together? And uh, uh, as we here look at this text tonight. If you're there with me, would you say amen? Let's read this together. It says, That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Let me pause here, and I want you to look here, that whosoever, notice that, whosoever. Let's look at verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have Everlasting life. If you notice there the emphasis, I want you to understand that this is a, a passage of Scripture. And someone once said, if the only thing that somebody knows about the gospel is John 3.16, it encapsulates and, and uh, it, it, it uh, includes the message and tells somebody of God's love for them and how that they can come to know Him and have salvation. We've seen in John 3.16, especially in the States, you see, you, can, you could go to a sporting event and somebody's got a John 3.16 sign. There's a bumper sticker somewhere in Beaumont that's got it on the back of somebody's car. You have a bookmark, you have a picture, you have something in your possession that has the scripture there. And uh, this scripture that gives us a call to the gospel of how man can be saved, what Christ came to do, whosoever. In the last couple of weeks on Wednesday nights, as we've been preaching on biblical foundations, and we have, with the, for a couple of Wednesdays, we preached on all have sinned. And we were looking at, we were looking at that subject. And, and last Wednesday, what is sin? And we were talking about the heart condition of what sin is. And so as we move tonight into on to this subject, we're going to be preaching on when there is the uh, dilemma that all have sinned, I'm glad to tell you tonight that all can be saved. Amen. That all can be saved. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. And would you help us to pray? This evening as we go to the word of God. Father we do thank you again for every heart in life. I thank you for your word. It's truth. It's power. Lord I'm thankful tonight. It's profitable for all things. And Lord as we look at your word. And as we, as we get into uh, the word of God. Encourage and strengthen our hearts tonight. Challenge us and change us always is our prayer. 
Anoint every heart. Anoint every mind. Anoint my lips and mind as I preach. We thank you tonight for what you'll do. And we truly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this evening. As uh, we have been looking at this, and as I said, preaching upon biblical foundations, these foundational truths, these doctrines of Scripture upon what we do believe, and not only what we believe, but why we believe them. And uh, I had said here in the last couple of Wednesdays, as we looked at the fact of uh, the fact that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have to understand that it's important to visit that. I know that preaching about sin, uh, preaching about our sin nature and the fact that we have sinned, that is something that is not popular in today's Christian uh, culture, uh, in in today's church. As a matter of fact, that uh, by and large, there are many uh, churches, many pulpits that will not uh, preach of the fact of the need of a Savior. Uh, And what do you mean by that, Brother Jake? Well, uh, Christ has been presented uh, in so many ways in our time now, in this day and age, uh, and the fact that, well, he, uh, you know, he is our friend, and well, Jesus, yes, he loves us, and and, uh, he is, uh, provides for us. For some uh, preaching, it is just simply uh, almost as if that uh, Christ is simply uh, his, his life, his message message uh, was simply so that we can just have blessings and that blessings abound and that you get whatever you want and and all of these types of things and and uh, but we've got to come back to uh, the realities of, uh, of scripture and as I've been saying coming back to the Bible uh, and understanding what it is that we uh, believe and what it is that truth says and and uh, this is not and some uh, I don't want somebody to set here and think, well, Brother Jacob's just being so elementary because he just thinks that we're that we're just so dumb that we don't know these things. No, sir, no, ma'am, I don't think that at all. Uh, this church has had a wonderful, rich uh, legacy and heritage of God's Word and the truth of God's Word. But I will tell you this, is that in the ever-changing ebbs and flows of life, one thing we must continue to do is continue to revisit truth and continue to look at the word of God. Amen. Because how many of you know and realize that truth is under attack? Amen. That God's word is continually trying to be picked apart. Philosophies and opinions and various zealots and various ideologies. And we are finding as to where in America we are. We are, I believe with all of my heart, we are seeing the effects and the ramifications of what happens to a nation that rejects God and rejects his word. I want you to understand that tonight. Uh, Are we still one of the most blessed nations in all the world? Absolutely. Has God's mercy still been shown to us? Yes. But let me remind you of this. His word is true. There is judgment. There is repercussion. God will deal with sin. God will deal with the people who reject him, who turn from him. I'm not tonight saying things to try to scare you into a frenzy, but I'm telling you the 
truth. When we take a look, and I want you to understand, the Bible tells us and gives us a very clear warning of what happens when a nation would reject God. When a nation, when a people would have hardened hearts and stiff necks and disobey God. We were talking last week in regards to the fact that that's what, uh, uh, I'm sorry, week before last, in regards to what sin is. And we brought it down to the point of the heart issue and also what that stems from is disobedience to God, His Word, His command. These things we find they come with penalty. Sin comes with penalty. And we cannot uh, have the mindset that the world has today. And let me even say uh, that we cannot have the mindset of much of the church as well that God is somewhere closing his eyes, winking at our sin, and, and just turning his head in the sense that he's going to leave some things alone. No, sir, no, ma'am. Let me remind you that we in our pursuit to know truth and to know God and to pursue after him, there's preparation going on, Brother Coleman. That preparation is the book of Revelation reminds us the preparation of the body of Christ is likened unto a bride who is making herself ready, making herself, making sure that she is uh, clean and pure. And then what can we do, Brother Jake? What do we do when we are sinful people? What do we do when we are plagued by our humanity where we know and understand that sin came into the world? What is there to do? And I had said from the onset of this sermon series is that before we can really get an understanding of what Christ came to do, we have to come to grips with who we are and that we are in need of a Savior. Christ came that for that sole purpose. He did not come to earth just to feed the 5,000 with fishes and loaves. He did not come, Brother Ben, just to walk on the water. He did not come just to call Lazarus out of a tomb. All of those were secondary moments. Brother Torbert Christ plainly had said, my meat, my mission, my heart is to do the will of the Father. In Gethsemane, we come to find the culmination of that Father's will. As he prayed and said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. What was that cup? It was a cup of the Father's wrath, the Father's judgment of sin. It was a cup of suffering and sacrifice for the sins of humanity. But I'm so glad that Christ did not talk his way out of it or decide at the last to leave us alone. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Whosoever will has always been God's will. Hallelujah. And so I'm glad, I'm glad to tell you tonight that in our awful state, in our fallen state, we come to find, I remember being in Royal Rangers and learning, Brother Keith, the ABCs of salvation. And it was something to break down the way to, 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 to pray, to teach how someone could be saved. And the first thing, Brother Segura, was admit Admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you have sinned. And then we come to, come to the second part, what was to believe. 
Believe that Christ is God's son. Believe that he came to die for us. Believe that not only did he die, but he's resurrected from the dead. And when we look at this, I want you to understand tonight that there is a lot of ideology. And you might say tonight, Brother Jacob, you are preaching to the choir. And I might very well be. But I will tell you this, I believe this is a biblical foundational truth that we have to look at because I want you to understand that you might have a grasp, you might have an understanding, you might know what it is to be saved, but tonight there are very well, there are families that are sitting in this church. I know all of us, all of us, let me just put it that way, we have loved ones, we have kinfolks, we've got people that have they have talked with you they have conversed with you some of them grew up in the same church as you did some of them maybe didn't have any church history at all but there are those that will tell you ways that they think that they are saved ways that they think some of them because they think they have agreements with God come on here I've had family members who told me, Brother Marvin, they'd say, well, you see, there's black and there's white and there's a gray area. I kid you not, that's what I was told. They said, I live in that gray area. Said, me and God have an agreement. Come on here. There are some that will be quick to tell you and say, well, the Bible says, I don't want to hear your preaching. I don't want you telling me anything, what's right, what's wrong. I don't want you talking to me about Jesus. And I've had folks to tell me, they'll say, the Bible says, isn't it something how, how we can know enough Bible? I've often said, Sister T, we can know enough Bible to be dangerous. Come on here. There's some folks, they know enough Bible to be dangerous. And there are some who would say, well, you know, uh, not only those that would say that I have an agreement with God and and that we have worked something out, but I I have sometimes I've been brokenhearted and somewhat tickled at the same time because I've met a lot of folks who weren't serving God and they knew they weren't in line with God, but to convince themselves they were okay, they would learn and they could quote to you, the Bible said to work out my own salvation. Salvation. Anybody heard that before? Uh huh. And oftentimes they leave the rest of it out. And I'll remind them, I said, yes, it does. But it says to do so with fear and with trembling. Amen. And Brother Eli, I can tell you this. Whether it's a sister, whether it's a brother, whether it's a child. And let me say it like this. I'm I'm here to tell you, never before we are in a time like no other where there are saints, Brother Keith. There are folks like yourself. You've been faithful to God, been serving God, been in the church for years. But now we are faced with we've got our children we've got our grandchildren and they have braced, embraced ideology and thinking that everything will be okay thinking that everything's going to be alright they are not living with eternity in mind you have heard them spin their stories you have heard them give their reasons and tonight your hearts might be grieved tonight should say is there anything that God can do I want to remind us tonight it does not matter where that prodigal is. It does not matter what excuses they might give. It does not matter what sin might have a hold of them. I still believe there is a Savior who can save. There is still a Christ who can break the bondage
knowledge of sin. But we must stand upon the truth and proclaim that truth, live that truth, and exemplify it in our lives. Somebody had said the other day, I had, they didn't know that, that we had been preaching on this. And I had told you there was a minister who had who made the statement. He said, 99% of people are good. The Bible doesn't tell us that. We spent two, two Wednesdays preaching the fact that Paul had said, there's none good. No, not one. Amen. And sometimes we get our qualities We look at people's qualities and characteristics and they're a good person. And I understand to a certain degree what somebody is trying to say. I've even talked about people before in the sense that as I would, as somebody would ask me about somebody, I'd say, they're a good guy. They're they're a great lady, whatever the case might be. I understand that dynamic. But like I said too many times, we are convinced of our own goodness. And that our goodness is going to save us. We are sometimes so convinced of denomination and religion. That if it's the right church, the right pastor, the right baptism, the right, the right this, the right that. I mean the list goes on and on and on. Then that is how we are saved. But here's what I want you to understand. Is that we have, there's a, there's a family that I know between here and China. And, uh, and, and in the last couple of years, uh, and I'm talking about folks that had, have been in church for years. And uh, they had uh, uh, one of their children who had began to say, well, I, uh, I, I, I uh, identify I have fallen in love with another woman. And she, this was their daughter. And uh, their daughter was a graduate of a, a Assembly of God Bible school and grew up in church all of her life and, and uh, all of these things. And here this family is grappling with, what do we do? This is our girl and we don't, you know, we don't, su- we don't support this, but what, do we, what lines do we draw? How do we, how do we navigate this? And let me say this right now. Let me say this right now. It is easy. Is it okay I just preach where we're living at? Is that okay? Let me just say this. Somebody asked me yesterday about a completely different thing. I'm coming back to this, but I'm using this to make a point. They said, what would you do? Would you do this, 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 and this? And I, I thought for a minute and I said, I can't tell you what I would do. Because I'm not there. I'm not there. So let me first say this. It's very easy to take a look at somebody's situation and say, this is what I would do. This is how I would handle it. But I'm going to tell you something. It tastes different and it looks different and it feels different when it's somebody that you love. I'm just being honest with you. Well, but bless God, this is what it is and this is what it is. Don't get me wrong. Hear what I'm trying to say. We, and and I saw, I watched this family grapple with truth and grapple with how do we deal with this situation and how do do we support this or do we don't support this. And I mean, they were wrestling with all of those things. And can I say, it'd be easy to point a finger and say, well, you ought to do this and you ought to do that. And I know at the essence of what should be done, but I'm 
not, I am not in the place, nor are we in the place to look at some folks at times and say, well, it ought to be like this, this, and this. But let me say, let me make this statement. When we find ourselves, because let me tell you, you nor I are exempt from the devil and from sin affecting us, affecting our families, fighting us, putting us in situations to say, what is your, tr- what is your truth going to do now? Hear me. Hear me. You can say, well, we're, we're exempt because we've been serving the Lord a long time. My kids, my family, my grandkids, my loved ones, they're exempt. We don't wrestle with this stuff. We don't wrestle. The, I'm here to tell you, listen, it's starting younger and younger. They're indoctrinating our children that the sins of the flesh and immorality and a skewed vision and version of the world and life and relationships and gender and identity. Let me tell you something. The Word of God plays said those that participate in such things will not inherit the kingdom of God but what do we do pastor what do we do I can preach that and say that when it's not my folks my family my love what happens when it's them knocking at your door what happens when it's somebody you love let me say this is that There's a lot of feeling and a lot of emotion that comes in regards to this. And if we're not careful, much of the church in certain areas, we've turned a blind eye and and have kind of decided I'm just not going to deal with it. That is not the answer. What we do, Sister Anna, despite how we feel, despite what is said, despite how accepted certain things are, we have got to keep going back to God's Word and looking at the truth because at the end of the day brother Gary it doesn't matter my feelings it doesn't matter what social aspects say is acceptable it doesn't matter any of these things what I have to look at is what does God's word say and this is how we are born again it is through the blood of Christ it is at the cross It is not popular. They will tell you it's no longer relevant. You will be marked as narrow-minded. You will be deemed that you are intolerant. Have Have you noticed those vocabulary words thrown around in our society? Now, in saying all of this, let me say this. What I do believe is when we look at this truth and realize this is how. This is how, and it's not just in, 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 in moral, sensual, sexual sins. I know I was using the illustration of that particular family, what they were dealing with. But there are some, there are some in here that your family has delved into religious ideology that's completely away from the Word of God. Completely away. And so what is the truth? The truth is, Sister Carmen, is that we are only saved from our sin by the way of the Lord Jesus Christ and His sacrifice. But let me say this. 
what this does do. What we're looking at tonight is that in all of this sin, Brother Benjamin, what I, I did not come just to talk about the darkness. I came to tell you that there is a glorious light, a light that shines so brightly that John said, the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. Can I say, I know that for some it sounds elementary. I know for some tonight, but I want to tell you that for some of you, for your children, your kids, that for loved ones, for certain situations, it seems so dark. Brother Gary, it can seem hopeless. It can seem like the very hands of hell are trying to choke the life out of our families. But here's what I stand on, Brother Torbert, knowing that Christ saves and knowing this at the end of the day, with confidence I can pray, with confidence I can preach, with confidence I can live and express Christ and Christ crucified because Christ still saves. Christ still redeems. Men and women can still come to know him. The word of God says whosoever I came to tell somebody tonight. Some of you spent the weekend with your babies. Babies that don't go to church anymore. Babies that you see the effects of sin in their life. You see the heartbreak. You see the way the grandkids are affected. You see these different things. I want to tell a mom in here. I want to tell a grandma in here. I want you to remember the word of God says whosoever. Because the enemy would love to sell you the lie. That everybody else can be saved except for your family. Everybody else can be born again except for your group, your child, your grandchild, your spouse, your situation. I came to tell someone tonight that as long as there's still breath in the body, there's still hope. As long as there's still that window of grace and opportunity, we're going to keep believing that whosoever includes those that I love as well. Because let's be honest, some of the things we see in our families, it's an absolute mess. There's things that are going on that hurts our hearts beyond what we could have ever imagined. There are times, Benjamin, that disappointment, the weight of disappointment can nearly just pull us so far down. There are times that Brother Eli, we're trying to make sense and we're trying to wonder how did things get so off track. You have it in your family, I have it in mine. But what I have, what I have as an anchor, what I have as a hope, Sister Tracy, is the fact is that I have seen God reach down into the darkest pits. I have seen God pull prodigals out of the pig pens. We have seen it right here in this very church. You've seen it in your family. You've seen it, you've seen it, and, and have seen folks testify of things that have been done and how God has saved and how God brought out and how God delivered. I came to tell because the end me want you to reach a point to where your prayers are silenced your faith is paralyzed and that you just have to chalk it up that hell won but I want to remind you Christ did not go to that cross for me to set back for me to just cross my arms and say well I'm going to give it up well I'm going to hang it up I'm going to quit praying I'm going to quit preaching I'm going to quit living for the no sir no ma'am the thing that drives me and I believe
believe the thing that should drive the church one more time is there's a clarion call from heaven. I know church ain't what it used to be. I know our culture ain't what it used to be. I know we can look at a lot of things and point our fingers and say all the stuff that's wrong. But I'll tell you what's right. Christ is still right. The blood is still right. The baptism is still right. And whosoever is still right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm reminded of a family in our church in Illinois. And the sister had come through her teenage years, just a lot of pain, a lot of trauma. Had grown up in a pastor's home. She made some bad decisions. She got the judge, jury, and executioner after her by way of many people. She knew she did things that disappointed her family. Knew she did some things that brought some shame and reproach. And she grew up a long time, covered a lot of life, and didn't get back into the church because of so much shame. Because of thinking that nobody would, that nobody would forgive her. That nobody would love her, accept her again. I'm glad to tell you that, that in a point in time in her life that all changed. And she came back into the family of God and served God. And I saw God powerfully work in her life. But there was a family that had told her parents... When she was making bad decisions and she was out there lost. With pride and arrogancy they looked at her parents and said. My kids will never. My kids will never. Now I can tell by the rumbling. If you ever want to be proved a lie. Just start saying mine will never. Right? Or that will never. Because about time you get it past your lips, it's already taken place. But they did so, and they did so with a very judgmental spirit. Very arrogant. Wanted to bash this family. They set out to embarrass them. Only for their own children to come up and be completely lost. They harped. And they rode that family. And they threw darts of judgment because she had been through a divorce. And their family, their children, multiple marriages, multiple pain. And I'm not saying that to point a finger at them. I'm just telling you, be careful. Be careful. But she had said one thing that I could that I could look to an anchor on is that at the end of the day, though I had so much shame, though I had so much embarrassment, though I knew that I caused my parents so many problems, and I, and I embarrassed them, I embarrassed their churches, I, I did these things, and she said, the enemy had me convinced there was no way back home. There was no redemption for me. She said, but I finally had to take a step, Sister Laura, to say that 
if God can save anybody else, he can save me too. That if God can forgive anybody else, he can forgive me too. I want to remind you tonight, the word of God teaches us and tells us of the fact, amen, that we are in a place as to where there is still an opportunity for those for, for, for those to be able to be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 13 or through 13 says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon his name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Could somebody give the Lord a hand of praise tonight? That's not my opinion. That's the word of God. Amen. So I want to tell you tonight, your whosoever, God can save them. God can work. He sure can. We must be faithful, faithful to pray. We find in the word of God, the very first experience of salvation comes to the thief on the cross. We don't know his name. We just know publicly he's there humiliated for his sin. But he recognizes Christ, recognizes he's the Son of God. And he said, will you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? That was his prayer, Brother Torbert. He didn't have time to sign up for church membership. He hadn't been walking around with the other disciples. He wasn't on the boat when Jesus walked on the water. He wasn't there when they was feeding the 5,000. He wasn't there in the Gadarenes when Legion was delivered. Oh, but Brother Gary during all that time, he's out running, committing sin, committing crime, living life he thinks to the fullest, and he's crucified on the cross, Brother Hemp Hill, but there's a Savior who can look at him with compassion and say today, you'll be with me in paradise, because he's a God of whosoever. He's a God of mercy. Oh, and we are in trouble when we get away from that because we can talk about all day long the way the enemy tries to work on our minds of who can and can't be saved. And that attitude can permeate in the church as well. Listen to me. Listen to me. I don't want to be found guilty. I was asked today. I was asked today. My wife was sharing with me a conversation that Someone in the church had with her, asking about somebody they knew, and talked about this person's life and what this person was involved in, and this person talking to another member of our church. They've known him, they see him nearly every day, every week, and they said, they said, the question was proposed, would I be kicked out of your church? Would I be, would I be welcome in your church and the answer which was the correct answer was you won't be kicked out of the church 
Ain't nobody going to escort you out. Said, you can come in. Said, but the truth will be told to you. Said that it's not, you will, your, your decision, your lifestyle will not be embraced and supported in the sense that you can carry on with what it is. But you will be introduced to a Christ who can set you free. And can I say tonight is that, listen to me, hear me, because I believe until Jesus comes again that right here at Victory Temple, we're going to see some folks that come in and they don't fit the mold, they don't fit the ideology. You might look at some and say that that somebody ain't ever been in church in all their life. You're absolutely right. And we ought to consider it a badge of honor when somebody who ain't ever been in God's presence or his house and Sister T, their life full of sin has the courage to consider to walk into this place this tabernacle this house I'm here to tell you because this is bigger than Jacob Smith's reputation I don't care all the minister friends of mine could talk and say oh they got this one or that one in their church this one or that one look at their past look at their problems I'm here to tell you it's not about my reputation it's not about what others would have to say but it's about Christ and what he can do I'm here to pull him out of the fire I'm here to help present the truth and may God help us that we still believe whosoever now you'll amen me now but you just wait pastor trying to help prepare you so because some come in, you're going to look at them cross-eyed. There are going to be some you're going to say, you sure about this? I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know. I, got, I want you to remember tonight and say, just smile and say, whosoever. I'm going to show them Jesus. I'm going to show them Jesus. My wife was at lunch today. She was talking with Sister Jen and Sister Gloria. And they were there and Carolyn said, they were just laughing and just, just minding their business but laughing and cutting up. So there was a gentleman that passed by the table. And Sister Gay passed by the table and he looked at him and he said, I don't know if I've seen a happier bunch. He said, you're happy. He said, it seems like you're excited about life. And my wife responded and she said, what the difference is? She said, we've got Christ. We've got Jesus. I want to tell you something. Is that for the whosoevers, that Brother Eli, no matter what it looks like, what it sounds like, let me tell I'm going to tell you right now, ministry's messy. Three of you believe that and agree with it. Amen. Sometimes we don't care whosoever is as long as they fit in our box. Sometimes we don't care whosoever it is as long as they ain't got too many issues. As long as they ain't. As long as they, you know, they at least look like we can do something with them. I don't know, some of you were here, some of you may not have been. You remember the morning I preached the message on how God fishes? And I had the fishing pole, and Brother Jeremy brought his fishing net. Amen. Let me tell you something, Brother Jake is not interested in baiting that hook and saying, we're going to go for the rich ones. We're going to go for the white ones. We're going to go for the black ones. No, 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 no. No, we come to find Brother Segura. Jesus said, cast your net. Net 
on the right side of the ship. Amen. That's how God fishes. Come on here. We're too, we're too busy with fishing poles. And fishing poles, you see, when I got my fishing pole, Brother Ben, I can fish for, I can fish for bass. I can use certain bait to, that bass like or crappie like or what trout like or whatever the case might be. But you get a net and you throw it out there. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what it's going to be. And let me say this. I can say this because we got missionaries right here in the church. We are hypocrites. If we'll send our money and send our support and send them to Jamaica or we send money to Sister Michelle to Africa or we send it to this place and that place we are hypocrites if we'll send our money and our things overseas and as long as we say well that stuff can stay over there and then we're going to think that whosoever doesn't happen here isn't needed here it's needed in Jamaica, it's needed in Africa, it's needed in China and God knows it's needed in Beaumont, Texas, whosoever, God can save them. I believe that. I believe that. Whosoever. Sister Carolyn, if you'll come. I want you to understand tonight. The word of God reminds us. The thief on the cross. Paul. The house of Cornelius. We come to find Onesimus. We come to find over and over again, I, I, don't, I don't have the time to go through every life that we find in Scripture. Somebody who didn't meet the mold, didn't meet the criteria, they were a whosoever, but they were a whosoever, Brother Michael, who believed. The gospel was presented to them, and they believed. Hear me. I'm sorry, Sister T, Sister Carolyn, I had, I had it backwards. Some of you might know the story of Elizabeth Elliot. Her and her husband, Jim Elliott, they were missionaries to Ecuador. They was there working amongst, amongst the Aka and Wadoni tribe in Ecuador. Brother Coleman, the tribesman, speared to death missionary Jim Elliott. Four others as well were killed that day. Elizabeth Elliott was ten months pregnant with her daughter at the time. We come to find that after those were killed, some would have washed their hands, Brother Gary, and said, this tribe, we would have said things like, well, it must not have been God's will. Well, we can't, we can't do anything with them. They're heathens. They're wicked. They're evil. They murdered my family. They did all this. But we find, Sister Laura, that two years later, Elizabeth Elliot goes back with her daughter and begins to continue to work and serve amongst that tribe, leading the, chi the chief and many of the villagers in that tribe to the Lord Jesus Christ. She did not quit, Sister Anna, even with her husband being murdered at their hands because she still believed in whosoever. Corey ten Boom tells the story that in 1947 she was speaking in a church in Germany. She said in that service she had preached a message on forgiveness at the end of that message she said there was an elderly gentleman that as people were leaving he was walking up instead of going out of the building he was approaching her she said immediately in her mind's eyes she recognized him said he was heavier now he was balding but she recognized him that he was one of the guards in the consecration camp where her and her sister were held 
terrible atrocities done to them. I don't have to go into the details. You know the things that happened in those consecration camps. She said, as he walked towards me, she said, in my mind's eye, I saw him. I saw him dressed in his guard uniform. I saw the hat with the skull and the crossbones. She said, I saw the whip that would hang from his belt. She said, I saw the piles of dresses and shoes where the women had to walk in front of that guard every day, nude. All the shame, all the suffering, all the things that were going on. She said, my blood turned to ice. She said, I was frozen in fear as he made his way. She said, he walked up to her. her. He didn't remember her. There had been thousands of women who had come into that consecration camp. But she had mentioned in that message that morning about being at Ravensbrook. And while he came up to her, he told her, he said, ma'am, that was a very good message. She said, I didn't know what to do. She said, I was fumbling through my purse. I did, I, she said, I was nearly paralyzed on what to say. What do I say? What do I do? And he went on and he, he said, I was a guard at Ravensbrook. She said, I knew then that he didn't remember me. But she, he knew she was a prisoner there. They said that he stuck out his hand to her. And he said, I have since given my life to Jesus Christ he has forgiven me he said and I want to apologize to you for what was done to you and he said will you forgive me Corey Ten Boom said I was very almost like wooden she said I was very mechanical she said I didn't know what to do she said but I he had his hand stretched out brother Gary she said when my hand made connection with his she said it was like a lightning bolt went through my arm and touched his hand and she said immediately tears welled up in my eyes and she said that very day I had been preaching on forgiveness and right then and right there she said, I knew forgiveness was not a, it was not something that was an excitable moment, but a, forgiveness was a, a decision of the will and the heart. And she said, and I looked at him and she said, all I could do was bust out in tears. And I said, sir, she said, I forgive you with all of my heart. She said, because we serve a God of whosoever. Whosoever. Brother Coleman, they're on the streets. Sister Brenda, they're in nations around the world. Brother Gary, they're in our household. Sister Kelly, they're at your job. Brother Chad, they're all over the city of Lumberton. Whosoever, Brother Ben, they're Amelia's in Texas children. And why? Why now? Why are you suffering with this thing? God will use it for a whosoever. God will use it for an Amelia. God will use it if her family gets saved. I know they're estranged from you. I know it hurts. But God can save whosoever, Amber. Don't ever forget that. Don't forget it. 
If you can get her attention, Coco, he can do it. Because he's a God of whosoever. Don't lose hope, Sister Chambly. He's a God of whosoever. Sister Linda, he's a God of whosoever. Sister Rivier, he's a God of whosoever. All can be saved. We've got to believe that, Brother Eli. It's got to impact the way that we pray. It's got to impact the way that we live. It's got to impact what we're doing. When they drive you crazy, Anna, it's whosoever. Sister Jerry, it's whosoever. Can we bow our heads tonight all over this house? Father, I thank you tonight. I thank you for the truth of your word, and I'm glad tonight that all can be saved. We have our ideas, we have our prejudices, we have our preferences, but Lord, tonight you have come for the whole world. You've come for the whole world. And Lord, I'm thankful tonight that you'll use us. Lord, I'm thankful tonight. I'm thankful tonight that in our circumstances you can use us to reach the whosoever's. God, forgive us when we've doubted and forgive us, Lord, when we've been arrogant about our salvation. Forgive us, Lord, when we've had our thoughts and we've had our judgments levied against people. Forgive us when we have believed the lies of hell and have allowed them to supersede your truth. All have sinned, yes, but all can be saved. Lord, tonight I pray. I pray for children and grandchildren. I pray for spouses. I pray for friends and neighbors and co-workers. Tonight, the whosoever's. Tonight, if you'd say, Pastor, I've got some whosoever's in my life. I've got some whosoever's attached to me. I've got some whosoever's. I see them every day. I work with them. I I'm involved with them. And I, there's times I shake my head and I don't know. I, they try to explain different things. They give their opinions. They, don't, they say they don't believe you or some think they have deals worked out with you. But tonight, God, I believe that you can. And Lord, would you help me to be a part of that? Would you help me to be a part of that? If that's your heart, if that's you, why don't we come tonight? Can we find ourselves a place to pray in this house? Would you come tonight? Would you bring the whosoevers that are on your heart, would you bring them tonight to this altar? Would you tonight, the ones that you say, there's, there's such a mess and there's so many things. But here's what I want you to remember. We were a mess. We had issues. We had addictions. We had problems. We were on our way to hell. We were, we were, we were so dysfunctional. But God met us. Somebody loved us. God spoke to us. Our hearts were challenged. Lord, I don't understand all things. But Lord, I know there's some whosoever's in my life. I know there's some whosoever's I'm connected to. 
There's some whosoevers that I need to believe for. There's some whosoevers that I need to live for. That I need to be like you. I need to live according to your word. Lord, I'll endure. I'll endure trials. I'll endure tests and tribulation. Oh, God, for whosoever. Leave me 